Uh, welcome back to Behind the Why, where we get behind the why of the issues that are really troubling or in question in some of the minds of mm -hmm. believers today. Today we're going to talk about having an eternal mindset. What does it mean to live with eternity in mind? Hmm. So join us as we take this next moment and get behind the why. Eternity, mm -hmm. talking about eternity, living with eternity in our minds. What is it that comes to your mind? Or what is it do you think about as a Christian? What do you think Jesus intended for us when we're taught to live with eternity in the forefront of our minds? The way you worded the question makes me think, okay, what did Jesus intend for us to live like? But sometimes I think the intent is not always our reality, right? Oh, I, so, I would say in most cases that's In most cases true. it's not. So I'll answer it kind of two ways. I think there have been times in my life when I think about eternity where it's almost like when you have that discussion with people, what did God do before he made earth, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first of all, that's not for us to know. Don't know. Because you don't know the answer and obviously it's not impacting your life in it's any way. It's one of those foolish arguments we it's get It's a in foolish argument about, and then like, you can start, buttons, right? yeah. Then Adam, you have belly buttons. Who knows? Who right. Cares? And then you can start getting to that place where then everything seems kind of like too big to, to grapple with. Mm -hmm. And so I think at times, I remember even when I was really young, thinking about heaven, and it'd be kind of this, like, eternity. Mm -hmm. Eternity. Not just heaven, hell too, right? Yes. Eternity being, like, so... Would you blow past that? So let's go, let's go, yeah. let's hit that point, because one of the things that we find, especially when we look in the first, uh, in John chapter 17, in what we call the uh, high priestly prayer of Jesus, right. when he begins to set the ground up, and he's praying, he talks to his father, and he says he's ready to be offered up, bring himself uh, before him and the, and the altar of the, cro mm -hmm. of the cross. He says at that one point, he said, and this is eternal life. That they may know you. That they yeah. may know the Father and they may know Jesus Christ uh, whom he has sent. So it's very important that we differentiate between the fact that uh, everybody who's ever been conceived everybody who's ever been made from Adam and Eve forward and all of their descendants, which we all are, mm -hmm. will live forever. Right. So what Jesus came to bring was not something that's living forever, mm -hmm. but eternal life, which means being connected to the Father of life, the Father of lights. And mm -hmm. so what we want to do now is so let's explore that. Right. What does it really mean to be truly connected with the Father of life? And... How should that be reflected in how we're living today? Mm -hmm. Those are the questions that we, that come to my mind. Well, and because there's, there's so many things we talk about on this, this podcast over the last years that come back to how we relate to God, really. Mm -hmm. Because if Jesus said, what's eternal life? To know Him, to know, to know the Father and, and, you know, and Jesus who, who sent. If that's relationship, that's knowing Him. And so many of the issues, even last time, talking about deception, mm -hmm. come from not really knowing, not knowing the him. character of God. Because if you don't, one, if you don't know the character of God, you don't know him, it's going to be impossible to truly trust him. Right. It's like uh, if you meet a stranger and they come up to you and say, hey, let me hold your wallet. Trust me. Or give me the keys <laughs> to your car. Trust me. Uh, and you're no. going, uh, <laughs> no. Not now, today. <laughs> there are times when we can have what I call borrowed trust. Sure. For instance, if I go to an establishment and they have the valet parking. And you, you believe that they're going to not run away with the car. Because I'm trusting the <laughs> reputation of 
the establishment plus the fact that if this dude takes my car, the establishment got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So we have that borrowed trust where I'm not really trusting the individual. I'm trusting the name that's mm -hmm. here. And so, but when it comes to me having personal trust, I could see that same guy who valet parked my car and he walks up to me at Burger King and says, hey, let me, let me have your keys. I'm going to be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I took you last time. <laughs> exactly. So what? Like <laughs> so when it comes down to living with an eternity mindset, right. it's going to be impossible to truly do that if you don't know God. Right. Or if you don't trust him. And then the other part of it, you know, if, if really when we're talking about eternity, yes, it's living forever, either in heaven or hell. Uh -huh. But then also just knowing the Father and, you know, knowing him. It's like, how, how do we do that in the best way in, in this life? Because, you know, I, we were talking the other day, and I, I look at these things, and I had brought up about the, the Lord's Prayer, we always call it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> really, it's teaching us how to pray. More like the disciples. <laughs> Cause yeah, because they said, teach us to pray. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, mm -hmm. hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right. on earth as it, as it is in heaven. And, you know, he tells us to pray that way, like to have his will here on earth. Because oftentimes we think of eternity as being this thing to come. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, we can know him here today. In fact, that's his will. Right. And his will is that we pray his will be done here while we're here. <laughs> so we start looking at totally different uh, uh, mind shifts, right? Yeah, it's a different. One, when Jesus begins it. that prayer, he starts off by saying this one word, our. Mm -hmm. So he connects us to himself and he says, your father as my father, your God, my God. So he's right. connecting us together. He says, <clears throat> our father. Okay, wow. Okay, that's that's our that's our head of household. Mm -hmm. That's the chief. He's the boss man. Uh, he's the father. Okay, and all the bucks stop with him, so to speak. And uh, which are in heaven. So where is he? He's in this kingdom of heaven, and which brings us back to doing the will of God. Mm -hmm. If we're living in His kingdom, then we're to live by His rules. And I think this is where the average believer gets into trouble. That's where we get the breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Because we don't know <laughs> him, we don't know that we're actually living in his kingdom, and we don't know the rules of living in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, in essence, what it really means to be a witness for Jesus Christ, is to live under the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. in the rules and customs and culture of the kingdom of heaven. Right. So, uh, again, it reminds me of when I went to Japan, and I went to a couple other countries, but uh, Japan in particular, because I was there the longest, is that when we got to Japan, we had all these briefings about laws and driving on mm -hmm. which side of the road, and if you don't have a Japanese driver's license, you shouldn't drive, and what you should do if you're confronted by a, um, a, a police officer in that area. And what they were telling us was that you're in a different kingdom. Right. And there, there are different, different customs and laws. different rules right? in that kingdom. You know, it's just like an ambassador, we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. that goes to another country. If you go to the U.S. Embassy, in, even in another country, in that place, though, that's like the rules of the United States govern that, that place. That one that, little spot. That little spot. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that little spot. Everything else, no. And it makes it, you know, the, the old bracelets we used to have, or and there's t-shirts, the... Uh, well, not of this world, oh. or whatever. <laughs> that was like a big thing. NTF? Where, NTW, I'm sorry. Not of this world, yeah, W. Yeah. You know, in the world, not of the world. And that yeah, you could wear word. you could wear a t-shirt, but... And it comes with that. So when we start talking it, about right? really, really having that <laughs> eternal mindset, it's going to impact 
how we handle every aspect of our lives. We can break this down as we begin to, to look at this. Look at the, the words that is actual when Jesus prays, found in Matthew chapter nine, uh, chapter six, six, verse nine and 10, who we'll look at. He says, our Father uh, in heaven, how be your name? So first we're going to talk about is, is again, it's for that position mm -hmm. we put ourselves in. If we're not really hollowing the name and the person of God, it's going to be it's going to be almost impossible mm -hmm. to really and truly live with that eternal mindset. Right. If I don't hold the person of God in highest esteem, then I'm not going to live like that. Mm -hmm. There will be too many areas where it's easy for me to compromise. Too many easy areas where it's easy for me to shift, especially when we're talking about doing something that is our first language. You know what I mean by first language, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're the communication specialist. Of course you know this. If this was Starship Enterprise, <laughs> you'd be a hero. You'd be going like, Captain, there's no response. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is that whole point that we're talking here is that if I don't truly honor God and hold him in reverence, then I can begin to do all kinds of things, mm -hmm. say and act all kinds of ways while still being religious. Right. Because I don't honor God. I don't hold him in the highest mm -hmm. place. And so we comes back again with this whole idea of living with that eternal mindset is telling me as I'm challenged by this question to examine the way I'm living the way I'm thinking right. I mean that's the, the first thing that came to my mind is even just praying that prayer Lord your will be done you know on mm -hmm. earth as in heaven and when I say on earth I I think not just on the earth in me you know that's it's like really, this is my little piece of <laughs> this dirt this is your earth like right this here. is my <laughs> earth right here it's my piece of dirt that I can control uh-huh and okay, if I'm praying that and I'm really wanting to to live for the Lord, it's like shoot. Well, that I'm putting expectation that that really should impact the way I live. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. that should impact the way I, I I view politics. Oh yeah. My everyday life, how I view myself. Mm -hmm. You know how I view other people, <laughs> how I interact with people. Um, if I'm really believing that. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said this. He goes, every man. God, the idea of every man's God reveals more about the man than it does about his God. Hmm. For instance, if you serve a God who is violent, then you will be a violent person. Right. If you serve a God who is uh, exclusive in the sense of being racist, mm -hmm. then you're going to be a racist person. So if your God tells you that only black people are righteous, that's going to affect how you treat everybody else. Which we see happens yeah. with like different with black different liberation theology. Liberation or, theology. But there's that only focus on black. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to impact the way you view you things. If you serve a God who is what we may call. Um, or the white Jesus too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can go through anyone. You can go to Muslim God. Right. It doesn't matter which one. You can go down to the aboriginal gods that live in the middle of the jungle. I remember the, the story of the edge of the spear, tip of the spear, edge of the spear. It right. talks about the Jim Elliott story and those right. men who were killed now who are preaching the gospel in mm -hmm. the jungle. Well, why were they killed? Because the God that these people <laughs> served taught vengeance. They right. taught revenge. They taught fear of everything. Uh, uh, this kind of xenophobic idea was part of their religious ideology. And so they acted like their God. Mm -hmm. And the same thing should be true of us as believers. The only time I see that where that doesn't come into play is, is with Christians. People who call themselves Christians very often don't live mm -hmm. in a reflection of their God, right. which leads me to believe, well, I'm not saying that they're not Christians just because they're not acting the way I think they should. But the point of the matter is, is that 
is whoever you surrender yourself to as Lord, the same becomes your master. Right. So you may be a Christian, but you may be submitting yourself to the rules of this world. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, uh, sudden, this world system becomes your master. And that is the problem. And we saw that throughout the, you can see it very well illustrated in the Old Testament. The New Testament teaches to it, mm -hmm. but you see it illustrated very well in the Old Testament. You get into the Gospels, right? When Jesus is having one of his many confrontations with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees use the old race card, boom. You know, we're not born of, uh, what's it, uh, of adultery. Uh, uh, right. Uh, you know, our father's Abraham, see? And when they go, boom, here's my car. <laughs> my father's Abraham. I'm a mm -hmm. Jew. We know who our daddy is. You know, and, and Jesus says. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, you know, and Jesus what? had to break it down for him. Right? Yeah. He'd go back to it and he just simply said to right. them, Abraham was glad to see my day. Because he knew what he was doing. Yeah, day. right. He goes, if you were Abraham, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. You of your father, the, the devil. devil. And so we come back to it. So we can have that tag. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do, and this is what I would challenge everyone viewing to do, is challenge yourself. What do you really believe? Paul said in mm -hmm. his second epistle to the Corinthians, right? Check yourself. See if you yet be in the Check faith. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, heard see, that before, if right? you, see if you are really in the faith. Because just because you're in the church don't mean you're in the faith. Or as they called in the New Testament, you're not walking in the way. Right. And so we have to be careful. This with this little piece of dirt. Mm -hmm. What am I doing with it? You know, I wrote down this verse. It's totally reminded me. And I think what we're saying now kind of ties into it. <clears throat> Proverbs 4.23 in the New King James, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the easy-to-read version, which I also like, uh, Above all, be careful what you think, because your thoughts control your life. And I think that's what we need to evaluate. You know, what am I dwelling on? Uh -huh. You know, we talk about wherever your, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right. And so it's like, where is our affection set? Mm -hmm. Is it in the things of this earth? Like we talked about the guy that just buried it in the ground. Here it is. Like, that's right. just putting it in the earth. Mm -hmm. It's like, where is our heart set? Because everything that flows out of us is going to show who is Lord? Who am I serving? Who mm -hmm. is it that I'm worshiping? Mm -hmm. Like, truly. I hear believers who will espouse the idea uh, of quote unquote pro choice, which is really uh, the right to kill babies. Mm -hmm. And so, and I hear all kinds of arguments why they want to suggest that. And I would always challenge you if you are a person who identifies as a Christian and you say that abortion is an individual choice, they can do it then you have to go back and say, whose heart are you reflecting? Right. Is that Does that decision reflect the heart of God, mm -hmm. who is the author of life, or is that the heart of Satan, where mm -hmm. God says all sin leads to death? Yeah. And so if you are embracing a culture of death, then you really need to check yourself. And that's a good point, because a lot of people, the argument I hear I is, made a good point. Yeah, well, let me tell you what it was. They, because a lot of people make the argument, especially in, in with the abortion issue, that, well, I don't believe in it. I think it's a sin. But, you know, God gives us free will. And uh -huh. so they uh -huh. can take it up with God. And I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, do you think that would have been Jesus' perspective when he was here on this earth? Being think like, you do you, boo. Uh -huh. You're going to be judged one day. But, but, no, you know, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Uh -huh. So he was sharing truth. Right. He wouldn't let you stay in sin and be like, that's between you and God. What did he like, say to the woman caught in adultery? <laughs> Go and sin no Go more. Go and sin no more. You so know? again, it comes back to what is your mindset? Right. Are you looking at this world? And, and I always think of this. This really became clear to me when I became a father. As I, I watched my children grow up, you might know my kids. 
but uh, they're probably amazing. They, they probably I mean, are. they take after their mother. They're truly wonderful children. <laughs> but um, as kidding. they as I watched them grow up, I wasn't. <laughs> I, know. I knew they mama. And I was totally. I was kidding. They mama's a pretty nice woman. So I just yeah. Like, anyhow, <laughs> but as I watched my children grow up, they went from being totally dependent upon their mother and I. Hmm. absolutely depend upon their mother and I to not only just for their physical needs but for everything because in the beginning they couldn't do anything on their own matter of fact if we leave them unattended they would have just died right they're shut down and die but even as they got older and they got to the age of transition there was this stumbling that takes place and I found that it was natural because I looked back to my own life and I saw that I had that same stumble mm -hmm. I'm so anxious to start my adult life I'm 18, I'm getting ready to leave home and go join the Marine Corps, and all of a sudden, you get to that point where you have a moment to stop and think, and where you're not just being rushed around by circumstances, you go, what the heck am I doing? You're like, wait a minute. You know, how do I do this? <laughs> am I making the right choice? <laughs> how do I run a household? How do I get a household? <laughs> you know, as all these questions become. But the same thing is true of us spiritually. Mm -hmm. We're born in this world, and we everything we know, every experience we have is in this natural world until we're born again. Right. And once we get born again, then that process starts over. Spiritual mm -hmm. maturation is supposed to take place. Now, unlike natural maturation, it's not automatic. Mm -hmm. You can be a spiritual baby for decades. And so, but eventually you have to grow and you will transition. Now, even if you stay a spiritual baby, there comes a point when you will be taken in death or the return of the Lord comes. Right. And that mindset is as foreign to us mm as it is for the natural child at 18, in most cases anyway, to go out and set up their own household, start mm -hmm. living. Because principally, I know it's true. I've seen it done with other people. Mm -hmm. I've seen people do it well. But I've also seen people do it not so well. <laughs> right. And so here I am. I'm in that transition now. And, and you're telling me to start thinking like an adult. Mm -hmm. As Paul said, when I, became, when I was a child, I, I felt like, like a, a child. child. But when I became a man... I put away my childish right. needs. Now, when we put that into the principle of thinking eternally, all of a sudden now, when I was a spiritual infant and a baby, mm -hmm. I craved the milk of the word. Right. I craved that, that warm embrace and that cuddle of being uh, nursed by the spirit, so mm -hmm. to speak. But as I grew older, I was asked then to sit at the table and feed myself. Right, and dig into the word on your start own. Start having that <laughs> eternal mindset, right. right? So I needed to start putting away childish needs and start taking on the adult needs, which means I need to start thinking like my father. Mm -hmm. I want to take on his characteristics. I want to purposely now begin to cultivate within myself the characteristics right. of who my father is. What is it that my father expects of me mm -hmm. and as I begin to do that it changes how I act compared to the other kids right. in the nursery or the other kids in first grade or the other kids <laughs> in sixth grade and so forth and so on because I'm not here to reflect the culture of my classroom right. I'm here to reflect, reflect the character of my family mm -hmm. and that's part of what it means to be eternally minded right it's a great way to explain it and that is a choice because you even you're saying you could stay as an infant your whole life mm -hmm. that's not god's will for you but we no, totally man. could you could <laughs> you know it's the I only time of growth i think that's really so i go to church you. and listen to the sermon and then i just look at my bible app and what's the verse of the day and love as the one, lord you know it's like you could do that but you're not going to grow <laughs> as one pastor said he goes there's two types of churches i'm going to go even further and say there's two types of christians 
and there's a Christian who goes to church with the mentality that this is a theater. I go and I take my seat, my assigned seat, and the show begins. Mm -hmm. There is the singers and the music, and they all do the warm-up act, and we all get all ready for the main attraction. And now, coming from the great halls of the temples of heaven, and Reverend Altice, you know. <laughs> Reverend Altice. And, and he comes in, he gives us his thing, and then we grade the music, we grade everything, was everything, the seats were comfortable, I mm -hmm. liked my seat, the ushers were kind. And we go and we grade this performance. And we're like, yes, that was so good. And sometimes the performance is so good, we come home and we tell people about it. Mm -hmm. You know, man, that, that show was so good. I remember when I saw Phantom of the Opera, we saw it down at the Amazon Theater in L.A. And I remember talking afterwards to my friends. You gotta see this. You're like, this is this awesome. Was phenomenal. <laughs> we sit up in the balcony and the chandelier went, Whoa! and the music started. It was mm -hmm. like, wow, wow, wow. And uh, it's really a phenomenal experience, right? Because we saw Phantom of the Opera, mm -hmm. and it was like, ah, we were telling people about it. It was just great. But I wasn't part of the cast. And when but I left Phantom of the like Opera, you know. <laughs> yeah, and when I left Phantom of the Opera, you know, I didn't go home and start wearing a half mask or a cape. And or start anything. singing in normal no. conversation with Yeah, people? we didn't do that. No. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people are who come to church. Mm -hmm. They have this this temporary mindset they go to church with this idea that oh you're here to entertain me to encharge my soul with energy right. so i can get to the next service and you know this is such a, this is like a totally different conversation maybe for another day but it's also just the way we've done church in the west i think it's easy to fall into that that position but i've been recognizing because culture is so strong mm -hmm. and you don't recognize your culture until you're removed from it because it just seems normal to you right and so you know, and, and even I don't think people would say, like, I'm not going, I don't see church as a, a performance. Yeah, but sometimes we do it as though it's a performance. So that's where why you have to check yourself. You have to check yourself because mm -hmm. you don't even know where it's like, where Sunday is the highlight of our entire week because that's where you feel like, okay, I get my review. get my entertainment. But it's like, every day we should be in the Word. And do I do this perfectly? No. no I have no some way. weeks I'm way better than others, no, you know? No, no. But it's like, we have this shift where, we, or we oftentimes think that like Sunday's this pinnacle, but mm -hmm. it's like really no. Every day we you should know, get what it reminds time me of with the Lord. Is when I worked as a, a street cop, and we had to do what's called a bar check. Mm -hmm. And you, you go and you set your presence be known. You walk through the bar so people can see the uniform. They see you there, and it kind of the idea behind it being that one, you can see stuff that's going on and stop there. a bar fight or something. And people will see the uniform and they calm down. They're like, okay, mm -hmm. oh, got the food, police here, you know. And that so it has that same impact. But what I noticed was that I would watch the people because I would see people from the community. They would work five days a week to get to Friday night. Oh, yeah. And that was the pinnacle of their whole existence mm -hmm. was to live for the weekend. And that is reflective of this mentality I was talking about where it mm. is an entertainment-based, a theater-based religion where I'm sincere about what I'm doing. I'm not insincere. Mm -hmm. But that whole experience it's about me getting this certain feeling of euphoria, this certain feeling of satisfaction, right. and it's all about me. Now, on the other hand, you got this type of Christian or church experience where instead of a theater, it's a gym. So when I go into a gym, that my expectation is different than it is when I go into a theater. Right, you're going to get some work done. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to come dressed, ready to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And when I get in there, I expect to sweat. Right. I expect to strain my muscles. And you expect to see results. And if you don't, and the you're results, like, hmm. and this is what we get to again, where this Western mentality can really start to plague you. Because now it can become about 
me again. Right. I can get to the gym and work that, out. See, that metaphor sounded better. Yeah. I was tracking with the gym. I'm like, yeah, work out, get strong. But, but if you're doing it so that I can look good. For me and mine. So I can it's still make sure I'm having my right. chisel frame and all this other stuff. Or even if it's just a fear of death. I got to run work my heart out so my heart on it. That's still that entertainment. Now, what you want to do is that it's more like a what I call a boot camp presentation. That everything you're doing in boot camp, I know as a young Marine, they kept telling me mm-hmm. over and over there in so many different ways that we're training you to be an American fighting man. Right. You are being trained to go out so you can kill America's enemies. Well, and, and they're trying to create Marines. It's not like right. it goes back to because even the gym example. I could be doing all these things to look good, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, look, I, I'm getting stronger. I can say these things. I can look the part. But is your heart changed, right. really? But and you talk to many different. I've talked to people, you know, who've gone through boot camp, and it's like, man, they tear you down mm-hmm. to build you up, right? Right? Because they're they trying to a, create. They a new, have a purpose. Yeah, they're changing. They're trying to change a type of person mm-hmm. that you are. So that when you leave that point of experience. You have that mission. You have the mission of the United States Marine Corps. That mission as your life's mission now. And everything you do is related to that mission. And they'll tell you. I remember when uh, I was in boot camp and the DI asked, how many of you guys are married? And like three or four guys raised their hands and said, these are the fools. He said, if the Marine Corps wanted you to have a wife, we would have issued you one. <laughs> he said, oh then we issue everything else you needed. Did you see a wife in your duffel bag? If you didn't, then you didn't need one. And so he was he was <laughs> oh, saying that to make a point right. is that your life is about this stuff now. Mm-hmm. And and that can be a problem on the worldly system. Oh yeah. But when it comes to God, it's not this is why Jesus can say things like this. If you love mother, father, sister, brother more than you love me, then you're not fit for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what we have to understand. It's like, Which Whoa. is easy for us to kind of just go over and be like, that doesn't mean what it says it right. means. Right. We, we, we dumb it down. It's easy to kind of dumb it down because it's kind of a uncomfortable idea right. to grapple with. Mm-hmm. It can be very ouch, which comes back to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be very ouch, but I'm strengthening those muscles of faith. And if I do that with a mindset, not that I can look better in my T-shirt, I can wear my, my yoga pants everywhere so I can see my butt. Um, it instead is one of those things where I'm doing this because I have a goal in mind. I, I, it would be like an athlete who goes to the gym because they are training for the Olympics mm-hmm. as opposed to going to the gym just so I can look better in my swimsuit. Right. Because the person who's going to the gym because of the event they're going to train not only on just that one event. They're going to train on all these things, the uh, auxiliary uh, implements that strengthen that. Breathing, mm-hmm. eating, sleeping, hydration. All They're going to train all that because they have an event that they're being prepared right. for. And as believers, the question is, what event are we living for? Mm-hmm. And that will really, if we would just put ourselves back into the idea that we're living to build the kingdom of God. It changes everything. It would change how we, like you said, going back to politics, it would change how we vote. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, con- it really, con- see so many born again believers who they don't know, I'm going to use this as an illustration, so stay with me. They don't know President Biden personally, mm-hmm. and they don't know President Trump personally. All they know is the public personification of these people. Right. But yet their hearts are so. Um, vehemently like against, yeah, against, one, against or one or the other and so willing to overlook the faults of one or the other mm-hmm. because that's their guy and my point becomes as believers we need to stop and say okay mm-hmm. 
What would Jesus have me say or do concerning this issue? You know, one thing that I really started thinking about, especially through all the just the crazy last few years, really, is that like we really need to have that mentality of I am an ambassador of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? That that's my home. This is a dream world I'm walking through that has real consequences. Yeah, it but does. this is not the realest thing. Like mm-hmm. we're we're living for something greater, and in that. You know, it's easy to kind of fall into the, those holes of this conservative, right? Where I'm a conservative, and oh, and, and then you have your identity identity built up in that. Because conservatism it, is next to godliness. You know, but it, it's easy <laughs> to do because there's so many people there, and you feel like, man, it's a great community of people who all are saying what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Or even the other side of more of these these leftist things, they have the same type of things of this Id- identity. I have this identity here, and I was like, as believers, we really ought to stay out of both camps. I, mean, I think it's okay because obviously... I mean, you're going to be one or the other. You're going to be one, but I'm saying in the sense of building an identity there. Yeah, your identity should be in Christ. Because it should only be in Christ. And in that case, I think if we have our identity in Christ, it's... Let me say this and we can kind of correct it as I get it out here. If I'm saying it wrong. I think it's easier to then talk to people and to love people and to try and to, and to share truth because I'm not so concerned about preserving my conservative identity right. or I'm not so concerned about like like for instance before it's different people I've worked with who I knew disagreed with me or had different political views and then I'm like oh my gosh they probably see me as that conservative and they're probably not going to talk to me and then I started pigeonholing myself of being like well I guess I don't know how to say you know because they're talking about these things that I disagree with and I was like that is so stupid right. that I would have that mentality because you know, do my ideas fall more in a conservative lane? A hundred percent. However, I am a child of God. Primarily. And my purpose here on this earth is to be his witness. Therefore, yo, I can talk to anybody and they can talk about whatever and I don't have to be shaken or feel like I can't speak because I'm standing on the words of life like we talked about last time. It's truth. If I believe it's truth, truth and I am sold out understanding that no, this is real and that there is an eternity and that people are on a road to damnation eternal damnation something that you know, god died so that he would not have right. to experience and then that can that frees us to be like you know i don't care if someone if my reputation is tainted mm-hmm. because eh, my identity is in christ i'm good right. i don't care if i lose this job because my, my identity is in christ, christ. and good, he's yeah. my provider right. and he'll bring something else my way eternity mindset and eternity mindset changes mm-hmm. everything it's like we start thinking about this. You're talking about, you know, why do we do what we do? I was reading, and part of my scripture reading yesterday was in John 3. And, and I was reading there when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And it's just, again, I'm praying over the word, Lord, I've read the scripture a thousand times. But let it speak to my heart again this time. Hmm. And so I'm reading it. And all of a sudden, in that scripture, this, I just could see the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus says as part of the conversation, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, right. he says, so must the son of man be lifted up. And I realized he's talking to Nicodemus about himself. About his own death. <laughs> he's saying, hey, Nick, you know how Moses, the people in Israel, they had sin and they were dying because of that sin. And Moses prayed for those people. And it goes, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the brass serpent. Yeah, it lifted up, right? And all you had to do was look to that in faith, and you could be saved. He said, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to take on sin. I'm going to represent all that is evil, everything that's killing you. I'm going to be lifted up, and all you got to do is look to me. 
and I'll save you. And he was saying that about himself. And we, we need to stop and think about Nicodemus and Jesus both had a real world experience of what mm -hmm. crucifixion looked like. So it wasn't a romantic story to them. Right. They had seen people mm -hmm. on a regular basis living there who were stripped of all their possessions. Uh, they were whipped and beaten to within an end of their life. They were then paraded naked through the streets where they had to carry their cross beam and people would mock them and spit on them or cry or moan, whatever the case may be. And then they hang there and to where get their legs broken. And, <laughs> and all their property was taken from mm -hmm. them because they lost their identity association with the world, which was ruled by Rome. Mm -hmm. And then they were hung up to die. And not just bullet through the head die. Not just, you no know, long rope. Uh, no, what they call like long, suffer and yeah, die. Yeah, not like <laughs> long rope asphyxiation where it breaks your neck. No, this was not an instant death. This was a death that was protracted for over mm -hmm. hours where the pain and suffering increased over time. And yet, Jesus was able to look at him and say, I'm going to do that for you. Mm -hmm. And then right in the middle of that, I started to see myself in the place of Nicodemus. And all of a sudden, Jesus is looking at me and saying, I know you, everything you've done, right? I know everything you've done. I know everything you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yet, I hung on that cross for you. Mm -hmm. And then my heart is, Lord God, gratitude. How do right. I live in this life in such a way that you could be pleased with me? And that, what makes me so sad is, like, I love the example even, you know, what he said about the brass serpent. Mm -hmm. You need only look to him. I'm like, but there's so many things in this world that try to keep people. Keep your eyes away from God. To keep you from looking. And mm -hmm. it's so sad because you think about it. There is a day coming. Even the fear of the serpents. You know, yeah. And there is a day coming. We're going to stand before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And people are going to see reality. And there's going to be this moment of, oh my God. Think about it. Like. Think about it. What did I, how did I miss it? Or why did I reject this? Because now you're in eternity. You know? Time, That's really like. Time heavy. has ceased. <laughs> Because you really think about it, you're talking about you saying looking down. Because here's the truth of the matter: when you when you walking with snakes, snakes are typically on the ground. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking to salvation, you're looking up. Right. So you're gonna be walking through snake infested territory with your eyes up. Which seems totally counterintuitive. Yeah, because you want to look down. Because it's the like snakes. protect yourself, right? Like, I'm of the <laughs> so snakes. it doesn't make sense. But that's not how life works. In order <laughs> right? for us to survive, we got to constantly get our up. gaze up. Look up. I don't mean I ignore the ground. Mm -mm. I'm going to look where I'm stepping, but I want to get my eyes up so that I can see that cross. I can look to that brass, uh, that that brass serpent hanging on a pole. Or in this case, I want to look to the Lamb of God, who, according to the Bible, was slain before the foundations of the world. Mm -hmm. God had already made up in His mind that. that I was worth saving, mm -hmm. and he sent his Jesus, uh, his son Jesus, at the appointed time to carry out his plan that had been made in eternity, eternity past, to satisfy the needs of a righteous God mm -hmm. that I might be saved. And so that brings us to that point of, wow, living right now, today, with an eternal mindset. That means I want to live by the rules of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know the rules of the kingdom of God, it's going to make it hard for me to live by it. Right. So I have to make it a point in my life to learn God's word mm -hmm. and then to learn his character. Because Jesus says, blessed if you know them, even more blessed if you know them and obey them. <laughs> right. That's the other part. Doing yeah. it. you got to obey the word of God. <laughs> yeah. And I've so that, it. 
Well, looking at the clock, time is getting away from us. Yeah, and we, uh, we better go ahead and bring this one to an end. We'll mm-hmm. be back next week and we'll come back with another topic. We'll get behind the why. I hope this one has helped you understand that why we want to live with the eternal mindset. Mm-hmm. The behind the why of that is so that we can be pleasing to God. And in being pleasing to God and returning that love and affection he's given us, we can give our fellow man an answer mm-hmm. to the reason why we right. believe so they can mm-hmm. see Jesus in us. And help us. Yeah, and it's all about being a witness mm-hmm. because if I have that eternal mindset, it's going to be so much easier. Yes, we have trials in this life, but we'll be able to keep our head above that. And do them because we have a purpose. Yeah, we have a, there's a prize. You even know? the trial, even there's, the troubles. There's a purpose. We've heard that. There's That's a purpose, purpose in the pain. Even in the true. trial. Even in the trial. Well... Well, God, thank you for the conversation. See, I enjoyed see, that's that. A, that's All a good right. wrap right All there. Right. Yeah. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us again on Behind the Why. Mm-hmm. And until next time, walk with that eternal mindset and always get behind the why. Right. Peace. I love you guys. <laughs> Peace. God bless you.